Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win it real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. Last time I was home, my mom and I had a conversation where I said, I haven't figured out what I'm going to do for my 25th birthday. And she said, you're going to be 25 this year? And I I was also surprised, but I had already figured it out that, yes, I'm hitting 25, which is prime time for the quarter life crisis. And you start to have the conversations with your friends about what am I doing with my life? How do I find a job that I really want? How is it that I'm already almost 25 and I'm not fill in woulda, shoulda, coulda here? So to help us work through this quarter life crisis, I've invited Adam Smiley Poswalski to join me today because his new book, which is out now, The Quarter Life Breakthrough, Invent Your Own Path, Find Meaningful Work, and Build a Life That Matters, seems like it has a lot of answers for those of us who are sort of at a loss, at a crossroads, feeling a little bit panicked, feeling a little bit like we're in the midst of the quarter-life crisis. So Adam is a millennial career expert who has inspired thousands of young professionals and entrepreneurs to find fulfilling work. He speaks at Fortune 500 companies, TEDx events, leadership development programs, and his writing has been published in the Washington Post Fast Company and Good, among others. And like I said, his new book, The Quarter Life Breakthrough, is out now. So welcome, Adam. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So your book claims that it will help us find meaningful work, which is, like I said, something my friends and I could talk about for hours. I mean, anyone you talk to right now and said, do you like your job? You'll get the answer that's like, I mean, it's it's good. I like it. My coworkers are great. And you get that answer that you're like, you know, they really want to be saving the world or doing something that they pictured would, I don't know, make them feel a little more fulfilled than than their desk job. So I wanted to start by hearing about your quarter life crisis when you were about 28. If I remember correctly, you went through a similar period of, of feeling not very fulfilled and kind of hit a wall. So could you talk to our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah. So for me, my, my quarter life crisis came a little bit later than most people. Some people get it right out of college at 21 or 22. Some people right in the middle there at 25 or some people even late 20s, early 30s. I had mine when I was 28. I was living in Washington, D.C. at the time, which is a great city. And on paper, I had a great job. So I was working as the special assistant to the director of global operations at the U.S. Peace Corps. So I was working for the federal government and I had a good salary, I had health care, I had benefits, I had job security. You literally cannot get fired from working for the federal government. Trust me, <laughs> there are probably people that should. And I'd go to happy hour and tell everyone my job title and tell everyone what I was doing, and they were so impressed. They were like, oh, let me get your business card. Um, that's such a cool job. Right. And it sounds and, like if, when we're talking about being fulfilled, like how much more fulfilled can you get than working for the Peace Corps? Yeah, exactly. The mission of the Peace Corps is to promote world peace and friendship. This is a very meaningful job. But for me, the experience was realizing that it wasn't the right fit for me. So I was working a job that was very administrative, writing a lot of memos, talking points, getting emailed on on my BlackBerry all all times of the night. I kind of felt guilty for wanting something different, um, which I think a lot of young people face. You know, you if you actually are able to land a job in the midst of a recession and the jobs crisis and a lot of your friends are unemployed and you actually get a job at a place like the Peace Corps or a great nonprofit or a tech company and everyone's like, oh, my God, you get this job. And then a year or two in, you're like, actually, I hate this. You feel guilty for wanting something different. 
But I think that that's wrong because it doesn't matter if it's the right fit for your parents or your friends or someone else on Facebook if you're unhappy. So this period, I, I was I was stressed out a lot. I, I wasn't sleeping that well. I actually got shingles, which is a nerve disease. And that was when I started to realize, okay, something's not working here. My body is telling me I need to make a change. This isn't the right fit. And though this is a great job, it's okay that I want something different. And you mentioned that 55% of millennials are not engaged in their jobs currently, and 16% are actively disengaged. That's from a Gallup 2016 report. So given that so many of us are disengaged in our jobs, where do you think the disconnect is happening? I imagine it's in the way we're looking for jobs, um, or or am I incorrect in that? Th- in thinking that? Yeah, um, and that, that recent poll showed that 20% of millennials uh, expect to leave their job within the current year, right. which is actually uh, a lot. And I think that the, one of the main factors here is that this is a generation that most of all wants to work with purpose, mm-hmm. so wants to find meaningful work. So I think in past generations, obviously everyone always wants their work to mean something beyond their own life, but people were valuing salary and status as more important. And this is a generation that statistics show the most important thing they're looking for is meaning in the workplace. So 50% of millennials would take a pay cut to find work that matches their values. 90% want to use their skills for good. 75% think the business world is too focused on their own agenda and not focused enough on improving society. Mm -hmm. So I think we have a lot of jobs and companies that haven't quite caught up with what this new generation is looking for, which is how can you spend your days working with impact? And I think that's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons why so many young people are are, are dissatisfied at the, in the workplace. It sounds like a really great goal um, to want to do really good, wonderful work. But the reality is when you go to a job search site, one of the things listed is generally not you'll be able to complete meaningful work. They list the requirements. They list your daily responsibilities. They list maybe a salary, how much experience is required. And it's not as easy. You know, we all have to take the entry level jobs as assistants or, you know, paralegals or whatever the tadpole jobs are in the big pond we've been dumped into. So how do we find how do we translate the idea of finding meaningful work into something that's actually realistic for us as we're starting out in the workplace? Yeah, I think it's a balance. I think a lot of young people you know, assume that this is going to happen overnight, right? That you're going to have the most meaningful job tomorrow, right out of college, or if you're switching career paths, the first job after you've changed, changed jobs and, and, and started a new path or started something new is going to be perfect. I think that's that's completely naive and right. not realistic in, right. in, a, in a job market that's actually quite challenging and unstable and where unemployment is so rampant. But it's all about inventing your own path and treating the journey to find meaningful work like a journey, mm-hmm. not about something that happens overnight, not about looking for perfection, but trying to kind of find meaning in every step. And I think what we're what I encourage young people and young professionals to do is to Go away from this idea of treating your career like a ladder. I was just going to say, I think we have to talk about the ladder versus lily pad. It's an analogy I really, really like. And I do think it's we have to change the way we think about how you move up in the world as more of like how you move across. Right. Exactly. So this idea, you know, traditionally we've been taught you get on the career ladder, which moves one direction 
um, straight up. So this right. linear career ladder, you pick a college major, hopefully get a job right out of school in your major. Um, and too bad if you want to do something different because you picked a career path, you better stay on it. But the truth is that the majority of millennials are going to have 15, 20, 25 jobs in their own, in their career. Oh, yeah, uh, the yeah, average yeah. job tenure, the average job tenure of anyone, though it's not just millennials that are job hoppers, the average yeah. uh, job tenure of anyone now over the age of 25, if you take all generations, is just five years, which isn't that long. Yeah. And that has to do with rapid changes in technology, globalization, uh, the increase of the freelance economy. So we need to be flexible. We need to be able to experiment. So we need to treat our careers more like if you think of upon the lily pads, the lily pads are spread out in all directions. And you can jump to different opportunities that make sense to you, given your purpose. And your purpose is kind of what you want to do for the world, how you want to share your gifts, what you care most about. And if you think about lily pads, if you've ever been to a pond or a lake, mm -hmm. they're kind of these green you know, plants on top of the pond that are all connected by the roots. And that connection is kind of what's meaningful to you, what you care about, what you want to do for others. And the surface may change. For instance, I moved from working for the federal government in Washington, D.C. in the field of international development to moving to San Francisco and becoming a writer and speaker and working with social entrepreneurs. Very different, mm -hmm. though very much connected to what I care about. Now, the, the key here that I think a lot of young people don't get is that I'm not advocating that you quit your job every six months. Right. Just because it's a lily pad and you have to hop to a new lily pad, let's not get too excited about the word hop <laughs> right. and quit our job every six months because that's not going to be very good for earning income or for building a, a, a meaningful career. One of the, the things that um, a lot of research has shown is the most impactful and meaningful for people when it comes to fulfillment is mastery uh -huh. and becoming really good at one skill and becoming really good at something. So it's a balance, right. right? It's balancing those expectations. So on the one hand, we have to be a re realistic, like you said, that we may start in an entry-level job. It's not going to be perfect. We're going to have to do things we don't want to do, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is not about me taking a meaningful vacation. It's about finding meaningful work. But at the same time, we should also be true to ourselves. So you can, you can kind of have realistic expectations and then not also – you, you shouldn't waste your days doing something you don't care about. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about specifically about the job search because I think that it's changed a lot and the, the challenge that our generation is facing is A, there are so many different jobs you can have now and people are forming, you know, entrepreneurship has become such a popular lily pad for people to hop onto. And there are so many startups and there are infinite job websites. And, you know, it's just such a different world, I think, about looking for jobs than the way my parents had to look for jobs. Like that was much more linear network. So when you're looking for a job or when you're looking for a new job specifically, what what should you be looking for if you're looking to hop into a field a little bit differently? And I know you mentioned in your book the idea of what your non-negotiables are on that path to finding meaningful work. So what should we be looking for, especially if we're branching out of our network, um, which I think is hard because so often you need to know someone to get your foot in the door in a new industry? Right. I think that's a great point. I think importantly, to the best that you can, um, knowing what you're, knowing what you want is really important. It's really difficult for someone to help you um, find a new job when you say, hey, I'm looking for a new job. And that's all that you say right. because they're like, well, um, yeah, 
I have no idea what that means because there's an infinite number of jobs out there, sectors, companies. So that to the extent that you can be very specific about what you're looking for, what type of city, what city you want to live in, what type of job, um, even naming, hey, I want to work at this company or, or ideally I'd like to work here or do this type of thing is really helpful. So knowing kind of what you're looking for, your non-negotiables, the things that kind of really, really are important to you will help people guide you in the right direction. Uh, the second thing I think that's really important is to you know, focus on in-person connections, the types of people you meet at events, meetups, fellowship programs, conferences. Some statistics show that 80% of people get their job through through networking, through a personal connection. Which is networking. Everyone agrees that networking is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Every Any millennial worst. will tell you networking is just like the bane of all of our existences. <laughs> I, I actually think that it can be fun. I think that, you know, we think of traditionally networking as shaking someone's hand at a happy hour. Here's my business card. Right. Here's my business card. Bye. Which is the worst. <laughs> we right. can all agree. But what if you actually treat that interaction where you're sharing something unique about yourself and you're actually trying to help someone that you meet? So you're asking them not just what do you do, but uh, what are you most passionate about? Mm -hmm. What are you working on right now that's exciting you? What, what do you need help with right now? What's your biggest challenging, your biggest challenge every day? Mm -hmm. And then maybe you say, oh, have, have you read this book? Uh, have you listened to this podcast? You know, you should meet my friend. Uh, Jose, because he's doing this, you know, a startup like this in New York City, he might be able to help you or point you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So if you actually can treat networking kind of from a standpoint of, of giving, mm -hmm. uh, of sharing your gifts and sharing your contacts and your connections, I think that that comes around to help you in the end. Mm -hmm. So it can actually be fun. And, and I, I talk about this in the book of this idea of making the ask, mm -hmm. uh, of really being able to vulnerably and honestly share what you need. I think one thing that, you know, I used to do in DC when I wasn't very happy is I, I would go to these networking events and kind of lie <laughs> just because I, I would say what people I think I thought they wanted to hear. So how's your job, uh, Smiley? Oh, you know, it's, it's good. You know, I'm working at the Peace Corps. It's a great position. Mm -hmm. A lot of, uh, career mobility, you know, experience and, um, you know, I, I could probably go to the State Department or the White House when I'm done, and maybe I'll. Uh, this is really sets me up to to go to an MBA program. The truth is, what I really wanted to say was, I'm miserable. I hate my job. I have no idea what I'm going to do next, but I know it's not this. Well, what you were mentioning before is figuring out what you want when you're looking for a new job and being really specific in order to help narrow down your search. I think. Something you hear from a lot of people my age and something I hear from a lot of my friends and people joke about it as a cliche, but it's not is that I don't know what I want and I don't know what I want to do. And my party line that I've said a 100 times before is I think my dream job hasn't been invented yet. I think the people who are inventing my dream job are like in a basement developing the app, like coming up with this crazy idea. And five years from now, it'll pop up on, you know, some job site. So. I just wonder when when you are when you talk to millennials who talk that way who say I don't know what I want I'm not totally confident what my values are other than people should be good to other people <laughs> like what then right. what's what's the response to that you know you can't you can't discover what you want until you try a lot of new things and I think we need to start stop thinking of our careers as these kind of strict definitions and more as as an ongoing learning experiment so that this idea that the classroom and your time in the classroom doesn't end when you graduate college, it actually starts when you enter the job market. 
so we can treat our career like a grand experiment. And, you know, I think we're seeing this as as more people kind of take on this idea of apprenticeships and experimenting in their careers through rapid prototyping. I, I talk about a young woman in the book, Amanda, who actually created four kind of adventure for herself called Four Months by Four Cities, where she spent one month in New York, San Francisco, Austin, and Chicago, and interned at different organizations in each of those cities throughout those four months, kind of giving herself four months of trying four completely different things just to see what most resonated with her, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's a lot more useful than just taking a job because it's the only open job at your career um, your career services center or because your parents are telling you to do the job, but actually trying a bunch of different things because we don't really know when, when we're starting out what we're going to like, what we're going to enjoy, what types of things are even out there. You know, the United States Department of Labor has stated that 65 of, 65% of today's uh, elementary school kids are going to end up in jobs that haven't been invented yet. That's what I'm saying. My job hasn't been invented yet. We just don't even know because of technology, what's going to, you know, and I graduated college 10 years ago, social media wasn't even a thing. You know, Facebook was, Mark Zuckerberg and his buddies were inventing Facebook as I was, you know, graduating college. That that wasn't even a thing. And look what's changed in the last (laughs) uh, five or 10 years in terms of social media, all those jobs, all those types of you know, positions, how that's changed our lives, how we communicate, how we, how we network, how we, you know, share our, share our lives. We have to be prepared for lots of things. And I think the best way to do that is to try lots of things and to kind of be a a, a explorer. And, and really, you know, I, I have a whole section in the book all about kind of this, the types of questions to ask. Mm -hmm. We're always looking for the answers. And I think that the current career paradigm has trained us to what's what's your calling what's the answer what are you going to do you know mm-hmm. that's the first question when you graduate college so what are you going to do right or, or or when we or, or when we're 25 or 30 or 35 when you meet someone at a bar it's what do you do right you know where you're supposed to give some definitive answer and in the current market and in the future you're not going to have one answer and that's the point you're going to be able to say well here i asked myself the question and this is what i came up with Mm-hmm. So I think it's much more important to be able to kind of ask the right questions. What do you love about yourself? What makes you you? Uh, who do you want to show up as every day? What do you really like doing? What do you hate doing? What types of articles do you find yourself posting on Facebook? What gets you fired up? Mm-hmm. So this type of stuff, I think these types of questions, we usually think of those as kind of soft and life coachy or just kind of a self-help but right. I actually think that, you know, you mentioned the statistic before, 70% of Americans are disengaged at their jobs, mm-hmm. 70%. So that means that millions of people are too scared to ask themselves quite simple, basic questions that, you know, we should be including as part of high school, college curriculums that we just don't. <laughs> and you, you, like you said, you include a lot of those questions in the book, which whether you want to answer all of them or not, is at least a fun exercise to realize that no one's ever asked you what articles you find yourself sharing on Facebook. Like that's such an interesting thing to think about is why well, I never considered it, but I share a lot of cooking articles. Maybe, maybe I should do something with food or something like right. that. And and maybe you shouldn't, that doesn't necessarily mean you should go, you know, um, join you know, chef right. or join, you know, cause that's a very, very intense career. And, right. and uh, anyone who's a cook, if anyone's listening out there, will tell you that, that yeah. it's a very hard career, but it maybe it's, sh- maybe it means that you, 
want to be part of a, a culinary meetup every Tuesday night. Right. Or or read more books about uh, about food. You know, so it doesn't necessarily have to be the job you move into, but it certainly will help you build a more meaningful life. This is not just about kind of jobs and oppor- and and careers. The book is really about building a life that matters as a whole. And that's something I wanted to talk about is for people who aren't ready to look for a new job, who aren't in a financial position to look for a new job at this moment or just are just trying to settle into other things and don't want to move. How can you find you offer some great resources for finding meaning at your current job? And like you said, in your current life. So what are your what are some of your favorite tips for finding meaning at the job that you're disengaged in? Or finding meaning outside of it. Yeah, I think it, this is a really, really other th- uh, important thing. You know, we a, a lot of books that are in my similar space are kind of quit your job, start your own business, live the dream, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. this, which is I, I just think crap career advice because right. a not everyone can quit their job, not everyone should quit their job based on their finances or for for lots of reasons. And not everyone should become an entrepreneur because it's really hard and it's not for everyone. And we need people to work at all these amazing businesses or else who's going to actually make them run, right? So I think one thing that was really important to me was including this, okay, how do you find meaning in your current job, even if your current job sucks? Um, And I think here are some things. I think it's invest in your skills. Mastery is, is so important. So you can always invest in your skills, even if, for instance, when I was in government, I knew I wasn't going to stay there forever. I knew it wasn't the right job for me, but I knew that I could practice my communications and my writing skills because that was something that was really important to me. So I took that very seriously. Always add value before asking for favors Mm -hmm. from your supervisors. So I meet a lot of young people that are very quick to say, hey, I want to raise or I want a promotion, but they make those asks before they've actually proven themselves and before they've, for instance, you know, seen a project uh, through to completion and and, and, and worked really hard and, and built a task force or done something really great. So add value first. See co- co-leadership opportunities. So um, try to step up and kind of go beyond your pay grade. So even if you're working an entry-level job or just starting out and you don't like everything about it, maybe there's a project you can take a lead role on and pair yourself with someone at your company that's more senior than you, that's been there for 10 or 15 or 20 years because you probably have a lot to learn from them. I think it's also important uh, to keep your work fresh and focused. Mm -hmm. So obviously, you know, working from the same desk every day can get boring. And a lot of research shows that people are more engaged when they work one day a week from home or when they switch up, maybe working at a communal desk with other people. Mm -hmm. And obviously talking to your supervisor about that is important. Uh, And I think that it's really important not to wait for permission to find meaning in your current job, I think a lot of people starting out just think that they're waiting for their they're waiting for their boss or someone from HR to come and say, "Hey, how you doing? You know, what mm-hmm. else can we do to make you happier here?" Right. Um, and if and if your company does that, that's great. And I, I hope very more lucky. companies do. You're very lucky. Yeah. You kind of have to take the initiative yourself and say, "All right, I am responsible for these five things. This is what I get paid to do. But I know that this exists in my company. Why don't I see if I can become involved with that? I know." that I want to do this type of project, why don't I pitch it to my supervisor? You kind of have to take that initiative and kind of carve your own path, even if you're working within a large company. Well, there's so many resources in the book, like I said, that help you figure out, you know, your favorite job search sites, help you kind of 
ask those questions to yourself about what you really like. And so I do hope that people pick up a copy of this. But my one last question is when you were 28 and going through your quarter life crisis and your shingles episode and all of the above, what's the one piece of advice from this book that you wish that you had known at that time? Yeah, I think one thing that it doesn't get talked about uh, uh, that much in career advice books that I was that's really important in terms of my own journey is surrounding yourself with a community of believers. Mm-hmm. So this idea that you really can't have a quarter life breakthrough alone, you, you you need to find the types of people that can support you and and who are also going through it, who share similar interests and passions and values who are going to introduce you to the right people, who are going to hold you accountable when you say, hey, I'm going to write a book or, hey, I'm going to you know, help uh, my friend launch her business. So finding those communities, and they're out there, and I list a ton on my, uh, in the book and on my website, these purpose-driven communities of, of young people, I call them exponential communities because they have an exponential impact on the people involved with them. So if you're not a part of those, find them. They exist. Um, they are harder to find if you're not in a major city, but it's not impossible. And many of them do exist online. So finding these groups and fellowship programs and conferences, I think, is the biggest thing you can do because it really takes you out of kind of working on this by yourself and becoming part of a network and a community that's really going to support you, not just for your current quarter life breakthrough, but for your breakthroughs in, in the rest of your life to come. I totally agree. Talking to people on this show has been when I leave recording this podcast, I always feel a little refreshed and a little excited and and hearing new ideas is always so encouraging or and hearing similar experiences, hearing other people who said, yeah, I felt really, really lost and frustrated, too. That as weird as it sounds, feels great (laughs) to hear from other people. So, Adam, thank you so much for joining us today. Like we said, the name of your new book is The Quarter Life Breakthrough. Invent your own path, find meaningful work, and build a life that matters. And people can get that wherever books are sold. I really appreciate your time today, and I hope you have a great afternoon and a meaningful afternoon. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, tweet them to me at Sam Zabel and I'll add them to my list. I'd like to thank our editor, Tim Einenkel, and our producer, Kristen Meinzer. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe and review in iTunes. I'm Sam Zabel and I'll see you next time.